I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. There's a point in Lent, we're probably all right at about that point, where we're just kind of over it. We're only a handful of days really into this full season of 40 days of intentional praying and fasting and almsgiving, and yet we just kind of sort of hit a wall at times. There's this belief that I can't go on. I can't keep giving that thing up. I can't keep adding this additional prayer into my life. And so we tend to, at least I know in my life, just kind of put Lent off to the side. We kind of push it out of our mind. We forget that it's Lent at all until somebody reminds us or until we go to Mass and we're not singing, you know, the part where you usually go into the gospel and we get to sing this joyful phrase and you realize, oh my gosh, I've just kind of been going through the motions of life and not been intentional, not been purposeful with that additional prayer, with that focus on generosity, with that desire to give something up. That's kind of a a phrase that's almost hard to say. Oh, the desire to give something up. Who really has a desire to give anything up? We live lives largely of great comfort. There was that phrase for a long time that was quite popular when Parks and Rec was on the air, treat yourself. And there's kind of this ongoing meme of, well, you know, treat yourself is supposed to be like an every now and then thing. And in fact, most of us treat ourselves quite often. I mean, life in general, it feels like a lot of times is one giant treat, especially in the modern age where we have quite comfortable things surrounding us. Now, this is not to say that we're all living lives of insane privilege and wild comfort, but for the most of us, for the most part, for most of us, that's the way I wanted to say that, hardship and challenge and discomfort is not always the norm. And if it is, we do everything in our power, we do everything we possibly can with the resources we have to not be uncomfortable, to not be bored, to not be lacking in really anything. You know, that lack that we often feel when we fast, when we intentionally make a sacrifice, that space that we create, as we've talked about on other episodes of the show, It allows the Lord to do something. It allows the Lord to act within our lives. But if all we're ever doing is just kind of filling up that space with these things that make us comfortable, then we never actually give God a chance to do something in our lives, to do something with that discomfort, to challenge us, to lead us to holy responses, I guess, to lead us to a a reliance upon him. Nobody likes fasting. No one's going to sit around and say like, oh, yes, I thoroughly enjoy the giving up of the things that make me comfortable and bring me joy in my life. Nobody wants to say that. And if you've met the people who do say that, then those are probably the holiest people you'll ever meet and you should keep them in your life. But there is a way I think that we can enter into, especially this third week of the Lenten season, more intentionally by leaning in. You know, Father John Lococo talked last week about giving more whether that's giving more with our time, giving more with our treasure, giving more of our comfort. And this week, we really dig into the idea that I can give more when I lean into fasting, when I allow myself to lean into the giving up of something quite tangible, that in a way, it it kind of gives me this, this holy grit, as it were. Perfect, of course, that we sat down with the author of a brand new book, named just that. Paul George, I've known for years. Paul is one of those guys that's kind of been in my life, similar to Mark Hart at the beginning of the season. When I went to youth conferences as a kid, Paul George was one of the speakers. 
And we really got to know each other one year when he came to the Diocese of Lake Charles to speak at our diocesan youth conference. And we hit it off and we stayed in touch. And as the years went on, we just would see each other at events or would speak together at events. Or I went and did a couple of things for him over at, at UL Lafayette when he was the campus minister there. And he would come to Lake Charles from time to time. You know, for being somebody just 90 minutes up the road, I, I do have to say we don't see each other nearly as much as I think we'd like to. But he has some incredible insights into how to lean into the season of Lent with an intentionality, a focus, really, on how fasting can make us holier. This is all part of our Ave Explorers series on Lent and Father John Burns' wonderful book, Return. If you haven't been reading the book, you're missing out. You should go grab a copy or at least a digital copy and really dig into the deeper themes of this week, especially how returning to the Lord with all our whole heart, returning to the Lord with this desire to create space by giving things up, that's truly where God can work in a really beautiful way. I hope you enjoy this conversation with my friend, Paul George, about leaning into Lent and our focus on fasting. Paul George, welcome to Ave Explorers. Katie, great to be with you. Yeah, this is a treat. I I feel like people need to know that you are like hugely significant in my spiritual journey as a teenager and young adult, like hearing you speak at Steubenville's and just like watching your ministry. So this is, uh, I mean, and we're friends. Like I know you, I know your family, I know you, but this is a treat. So thanks for for taking the time to join us. Oh, that's great to hear. And we live like an hour away. Yeah. And never see each other. <laughs> never see each other. You know, so like, Have to go like across the country to conferences to actually hang out. Right, exactly. So yeah, great us, to see you. Yeah, yeah. Happy to, well, you're in your home office, it looks like. Tell us like where yeah. you are, what you, you're an hour down the road from me, but where are you, yeah. what you do, kind of a little bit of, of your story uh, so folks can get to know you. Yeah, we grow them good down here in South Louisiana. <laughs> Our hour from you, Lafayette, Louisiana. Mary Gretchen, 26 years. We have five children, three out of the house, two still at home. Yeah, I, I do a, a, a podcast weekly called The Paul George Show and then have a couple of books with Ave as you do as well and travel speak and consult. That's kind of what I do on the the day to day. Yeah. So you said five kids, three gone and two at home because there's there's quite a an, an age range. Tell us about that. <laughs> yeah, talk about. So we have a uh, our oldest is getting married this year. So that's a big what? life change for us. Yeah, in June, 23. And then we have a 20-year-old, a 19-year-old. They're, you know, they're out of the house off school. And then we have a high schooler and then a five-year-old. <laughs> You've got a kindergartner. I'm, I'm in the trenches with you there. Yeah, exactly. So we can relate on that end. Yeah. So how how is that? I'm just curious. Like, this is just pure. I'm talking to my friend. When I when I I remember when y'all announced that you were expecting the big surprise, and I was like, man, that's going to change the family dynamic. What did it What did it do? Like, how did your older kids react? How is it opened up more in your life? Yeah, it, we're really making another lap, Katie. Like yeah. we're starting over in a lot of ways, you know. And so there's ten year gap between our two youngest, you know. So it's been an interesting family dynamic. Of course, all the older kids, you know, love. Addie, the five-year-old and you know how kids are, but you know, we're having to like circle back as parents, mm-hmm. like try to be the parent of a five-year-old now and a parent of a 23-year-old at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's like this, I don't know, it's, it's an interesting sort of back and forth, but I would say I'm a, probably a much more patient and better parent the second time around. <laughs> so I get a redo, yeah. I get a, like a do-over <laughs> You know, and and Marie will say, well, you never did that for yeah. me or like you would have 
totally put me in timeout for that. I was like, I know, I know, I know. Well, now there's the possibility, too, of you've got a kindergartner, a daughter getting married. Like, you're going to have grandkids. You, you'll be Papa Paul and, and dad of, of a group not far by, away from each other. Totally. And I would have never, like, you know, you can't predict what God has in store for you. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have a bride and a flower girl on the same wedding. If you would have told me that <laughs> when I got married, wow. I would have run for the hills, right? I'd be like, no way. There's no way I'm doing that. Yeah, that's an that's an that's going to make for a great photo to to hang on the wall someday. You you said a word that that struck me, the redo. And I think that this is actually something that comes up in our spiritual lives a lot. Like we want to do it again or sometimes we run from it because like no, I've done that. Like I don't I don't need to relive it. And and then the name of the book that we're talking about this Lenten season is is return, this idea of of going back, returning to the Lord, redoing life in in a new way repentance and trying to to change. How have you seen in your spiritual life and maybe the lengths of Paul George's life, this idea of returning to the Lord to try to kind of redo this relationship? How has that happened in your life consistently? So good. And Father John in his book, Father John Burns, just does a great job capturing that idea. He uses the word reorient mm-hmm. even, you know, so reorienting it, um, there's a the wonderful you know story and passage in the Old Testament of God rerouting the Israelites to mm-hmm. the Red Sea, like that idea of re anything, redoing, rerouting, reorienting. For me, like resonates because I think the spiritual life is about like getting second chances and third chances and and rerouting, reorienting our lives, like not giving up and defining ourselves by our mistakes or our past or our regret. Mm -hmm. The Lord's grace is so generous to constantly move us forward and help us to see differently uh, in whatever place or season we're at in our life. I I think that's that gentleness. There's not a, sometimes it feels like we're jerked around, especially during Lent where like we're given this, okay, do this, do this, do this. And we set it out as like a a to-do list for ourselves. And, and I don't, Jesus is not a taskmaster. He, he's not he's not giving us instructions in such a way that like a professor or a teacher would. It's not a syllabus for Lent. It's an invitation. What what do you usually do in the Lenten season? I, I know I just said it's not a to-do list and now I'm asking you what you do, but it, how has the Lord gently invited you year after year to enter in and to be gently guided? So good. You know, I think it's it's been different for different seasons. I don't know if you can relate. You probably can't. Sometimes I feel like Lent is just given to me. I'm mm-hmm. already living it before I get into Lent. Like, you know, it's just like <laughs> I'm dealing with some pain or some suffering or, you know, like it's just like I'm in Lent before I even get there. And then there's times where I have to be really intentional about making the journey of Lent. And he, Father Burns does a good job of just saying, look, guys, Lent's hard mm-hmm. and it kind of should be. And it's not a syllabus or a checklist. But I think I've gotten to the age you have is like, when you realize discipleship or walking with Christ, it's not easy all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's not, there are going to be tough moments. And I think Lent kind of gives us the ability to grow some spiritual muscles, to mm-hmm. to gain some traction in areas that we haven't had, to do some hard things that we might not do at other times. And so as I have approached Lent this year, I'm approaching it through the lenses of like, 
following Jesus is hard. And what can I do that's difficult for me that's actually going to be fruitful, that's going to move me forward? Mm-hmm. It's going to reorient me to to have a free and loving relationship with God and love others. Yeah, it's not a checklist, but you could go to the extreme of 15 things I have to do, or you could you could go to the extreme of, I'm just, just going to let it happen. Like, I'm just going to see what Jesus wants for me to get. I, I had a friend one year in college. And I, it was such a cop out and, and we made so much fun of him. He was like, well, every week I'm going to decide what I'm going to fast from, like based off of my <laughs> vices. And he never actually that. gave up the things that any of us would have like suggested. Like he didn't stop smoking. He didn't stop drinking. He didn't stop playing video games. Like all those things that he probably should have committed to fasting from. Instead, he was like, I'm just not going to eat out. And he never did anyway. So he he chose like this easy route and he gets to the end of Lent and, and kind of wanted the redo. He was like, I totally, I totally flubbed it up. You, you said spiritual muscles. You've, you've written a new book all about how we can kind of build those spiritual muscles, build this grittiness. And I think you wrote it mostly for men, but I, I think a lot of women will also benefit from this idea of leaning in. Let's talk about that. Why do you think people avoid leaning in? I, in a lot of ways. I mean, I think, you know, we're, we're not, we don't gravitate to hard things in general mm-hmm. as humans. You know, we're kind of like, we get so used to comfort and easiness, right? And I think particularly in our culture, I mean, we can drive through anywhere, but we have nice homes. You know, we have we have a lot of comforts. And so we just get used to that. And and I had a friend the other day, like, I just love comfort. I mean, I'm just gravitate to comfort. And that could be food. It could be comfort of like the air conditioner. It could be comfort of our vehicle, our home. And it could be comfort of just like, just continuing to do what we've always done and we don't want to make some changes because mm-hmm. we don't know what that might look like in our life. This is what Lent does. I think Lent just kind of says, okay, let me reroute you and reorient you in a different way of living for 50 days and see if that starts a new pattern in your life of freedom mm-hmm. and discipleship. And so when we approach it through that lens, like maybe I could be a better human at the end of Lent. Maybe I could love Jesus more at the end of Lent. Maybe I love others more at the end of Lent. Man, that gets me excited. And if it if it means I need to be a little uncomfortable and do some hard things, that's the result. Like, so like we all know, like anything good we've done in our life, it's come through hard work. Nothing's handed to us. Mm-hmm. Not like here. You know, like you have to put the time, the effort, the energy into whatever you want to do to find results. I think, I mean, Ian, you could disagree. The same is true in the spiritual life. If we mm-hmm. want to see results, like we have, we have to lean in and do some hard things, some gritty things. And certainly it's not a checklist, but it is like doing some hard things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like approaching it. And like, as we're talking about this week in fasting, who wants to fast? Like, right. I don't wake up and be like, I can't wait to, <laughs> to not, not eat. Yeah. To I not have something. <laughs> deny myself, you know? But I've never fasted and and regretted it. Mm-hmm. I've never fasted and be like, I'm worse human being. Right. You know, like I've <laughs> denied myself and I'm, I'm worse off, you know. So I see the results of it. And it's really kind of making this conscious decision to do some of those hard things, knowing that the grace of God is with us through the process of it. It's funny that you bring up that that idea of comfort and discomfort. Because I think that Jesus watches us in our comfort and he doesn't, he's not wagging a finger. He's not fussing at us. But I I think there's this, don't you want more? Like you're really comfortable right there. And I'm I'm sure that feels great. But in the end, that is not going to be the most satisfying thing in your life. Come try 
this over here. So I have to tell you, in Southwest Louisiana, it's not all that hard uh, to fast in Lent because, <laughs> right, like we have every seafood you could possibly imagine, deep fried, boiled, grilled, like it's harder to give up meat on Fridays. Like to, I, I should give up the the seafood than I should. Th- so last year, the reason I'm telling you this, last year, Tommy and I said, we are not buying boiled crawfish all Lent. Like we are fasting from our typical Friday treat because we shouldn't be like inviting this delicious meal into our home that it feels like nothing. There's no sacrifice in this. Like the sacrifice is the $50 we spent on it. And I was happy to spend it. And it was the most annoying thing to turn down invitations to Friday crawfish boils to drive past Hollier's and know I'm not pulling in to fill up my ice chest. But there was this great spiritual fruit that arrived like three or four weeks into it where we said, you know what? Nobody else knows that we're doing this. We're just, we're doing this for ourselves. And a year later, I'm talking about it, but there's going to be some benefit. And the benefit wasn't just, okay, now we're not nearly as addicted to boiled crawfish. The benefit was we realized we could do it. Like we could make this seemingly small sacrifice. And so I want to talk about that with you. When we make the small sacrifices, we, we experience the small gritty things. It leads to these bigger things. What do you think the ultimate benefit is when a person does lean in? Like, what are we going to see in a year and five years and 10 years when there's a generation of people who have actually embraced that, that discomfort knowing that God's going to provide? Yeah, when we deny ourselves of things, it does build muscle, but it also carves space mm. for God it carves more space. So like when you drive by, you're like, I'm just denying myself this. It actually leaves room for God to just reign in that place where you're like, I really want that. I really want that. You know, <laughs> so Lent just begins to carve out space for God to grow. Those That's the spiritual muscle I'm talking about. It's like God grows more in our heart and our life. And so when we look down the road, we're like, oh, I'm, I'm a consistent disciple of Jesus. And I think that's what we all want and desire. Like, what about you? Like, I, I just, I know I'm never going to be perfect, but I just don't like to like bounce between the ditches. Mm-hmm. You know, I like to stay on the road. It's just really inconvenient, you know, to be stuck in a ditch. And you get to a point in your life where you're like, hey, can I just consistently stay between the lines? You know, not perfect, you know, run on the shoulder, but let kind of helps us to kind of carve out enough space to be consistent spiritual life. So then throughout the year, we can do it. I have this friend who I love. I mean, like we've kept in touch for 20 years and he gets so excited for Lent. Like, like he's just like, like a kid. Mm-hmm. And I was like, why do you get so excited? He goes, I feel like it's the only time in like the year that I actually do anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, can we talk about like the rest of the year? Like, why does it like <laughs> spin you off into like being consistent the rest of the year? And it and it's a good conversation, you know, because then he says, I just kind of go back to like my old ways and old mm-hmm. comforts. And it's what if you approached Lent this year with through the lens of consistency past Lent, mm-hmm. you know, because that's what he really wants and what I want, you know. Yeah, we still eat boiled crawfish. I, I want to clarify to the world, like we gave it up for Lent. We certainly have it from time to time, but it's no longer this attachment. It's like the fasting has built up this detachment from worldly pleasure or worldly comfort and and this this worldly perspective of I almost kind of I'm sitting here thinking like I feel like we walk through life oh I'm owed that like like I I deserve that and and I you know self-care and indulgence and it's like I I'm actually pretty indulgent self-cared for person like I you know I'm going to treat myself I've been treating myself for 33 years like I have had a life largely full filled with comforts 
And I've convinced myself that that should be the norm. And it's not to say that we all go, you know, we, we put on hair shirts and eat locusts and honey, John the Baptist style, but it is to say that there are small things that we can do. This year for Lent, I've given up coffee creamer and I don't actually like the taste of coffee. So I'm actually drinking a lot less coffee, which maybe is good in the long run, but I can do it. Like a cup of black coffee is not going to kill me. And in fact, makes me aware of a, of a more intentional start to my day. What are some of the things you think people need to do in order to lean in? Like practically they're hearing this and they're thinking, okay, we're in the third week of Lent. Maybe I do need to kind of ratchet up my fasting, embrace this discomfort. Father John talks about this idea of sometimes with fasting, it's really good to go to the sacrament of confession at this point in the season of Lent because we can acknowledge we've we've messed up. And once we've acknowledged those mess ups, now we can lean into the giving things up. But I mean, just you're a coach, you're a dad, you worked in ministry for years. What are your practical words of advice on how to embrace fasting in the season? And Father John talks in this chapter too, like this week, about the virtue of discipline. Mm-hmm. And like, we can't overlook that. Like, it's that's a word we just do not like, because it's like, oh, I don't want to be disciplined. But fasting is sort of this, we got to pray for the grace of discipline. And I'm sure if you're anything like me or the people listening, Sometimes we try to overdo it, so mm. we overpromise and underdeliver. And I always say, like with Lent, like do something that you can actually commit to and accomplish. So if you're gonna fast, don't be like, oh, I'm, go-, you know, I'm, I'm only drinking water for a week. Don't <laughs> do that. You're gonna die. You know, like give yourself an opportunity to experience some success in your discipline. You know, so maybe <clears throat> give up, you know, eating in between meals. Mm. You know for a week and like figure out how hard that is. Actually, you realize how much you might snack or do different things. You can survive on three meals. Trust me with nothing in between. Maybe you give up one meal a day. Uh, Maybe you like you did creamer or you do just water with your food, like something that's just going to help remind you that God is present Mm -hmm. in the fact that you're being disciplined. So when you give it up, you're reminded, Oh man, God is so good. He's so real. He blesses me. He gives me so many things. And me denying myself is only helping me to grow closer to him. You know, it's helping me discipline. So, so that, that that's what I'm doing this Lent. I mean, something kind of simple as that is like for my fast is nothing in between meals. Mm. And now I realize like, man, I, you know, I'll grab a handful of like cashews, you know, to kind of hold me over to lunch. And, you know, it's good. There's nothing wrong with that. But yeah. to deny myself that. Yeah, it's a, it's just a discipline. And, yeah. and one of the things, like as a coach, people will like come to me and be like, I just need help being disciplined in my goals. Mm-hmm. And I think the beauty of Lent is like as Catholics, this is where we kind of come out of the, the uh, ground hole and we're like, hey, we're all here. Yeah. <laughs> Let's link arms and kind of support each other. Yeah. You yeah. know, in like keeping to our Lenten fast. Mm-hmm. I was recently in Lourdes, France, and there's this thing that happens. Nobody was there. Like the whole town was empty because it's the end of January and so it's freezing. And so crazy people go to Lourdes at the end of January when it's 20 degrees outside. But there's this, we were chatting with the the one person we found that spoke English in the town and she was talking about how people will come knowing, okay, this is a place where Catholics come, but not really having like a full-on devotion to the Blessed Mother, not fully really understanding why they've come here. They just know like this is one of the places to come. And I'm sitting there thinking that it's not easy to get here. You have to take a five-hour train. You have to fly into a very tiny airport. You're in the south of France. You're nowhere near Paris where you can readily find lots of, like it's, people come here not really knowing what they're coming to. That makes no sense to me. And she said, no, it's just this, 
it's almost like this mimetic desire where everybody does it, so I have to do it. And then they get here and they see it. They see people processing. They see people lighting candles. They see people going and getting in line for the baths. And it just kind of sparks something in them. Oh, well, if everybody's doing it, then I need to do it too. And I kind of feel like that's what happens in Lent. Oh, well, that person's fasting. Okay, I need to fast. Oh, that person's reading that book. I need to read that book. Oh, that person gave up social media. I can't be the schlub that stays on social media. And there's some value in that. There's strength in numbers and knowing we're not alone. I do also think the drawback is once it ends, we just all go back to our old ways. Like you said, that community maybe isn't there anymore. You know, you worked with college students for a really long time. How would you encourage that continued commitment, whether it was with community, whether it was with just keep one small thing from the fast? You know, if you give up snacking, maybe it's it's you don't snack from like 3 to 6 p.m. before dinner. Like after school, there's no like after school snack for you. What do you do to encourage folks to maintain that? Well, it's all rooted in prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, one is like when you build in consistency in your prayer life, then then it's like you're navigating that through the lens of like, Jesus, how do you want me to live and what do you want me to do, right? So I'm not just, you know, you made a great point. Like it's not just, Lent is not a checklist. Lent is about walking closer with Jesus. So that conversation with Jesus continues. Lord, do you want to, you want me to fast this week? Or do you want me to really enjoy? Or like, let, let's talk about like our life together. And I think that's the important thing. And And for college kids or young adults, the same is like, learn how to have that conversation in prayer mm-hmm. and, and the consistency there is sort of built out. So, you know, you might have, you know, guys or girls that do accountability groups. That's obviously super important, but I'll see those groups kind of happen. And yet if they're not rooted in prayer or personal prayer, it's just like, yeah, they kind of just mm-hmm. end up giving up on their commitments anyway, you know? Yeah. It's a Jesus centered social club with no Jesus. It's just like, oh yeah, we're all doing this thing together. Great. Like you could do that at the gym. Like you don't need to, you need to add Jesus in unless you are actually doing it. That positive peer pressure is fine, but until you're actually in ingesting it, until it becomes a part of you. I want to talk for a minute about your new book, Holy Grit, which I mistakenly called True Grit, the John Wayne film. Is there any connection is, between those two? Which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it is interesting because the older than you. So I, John Wayne is this image in my mind. Yeah. And my, my grandfather, who I write about in the introduction, was a cowboy, literally, like mm-hmm. not a pretend, like that's what he did for a living. And that was my image of manhood. And certainly there's some real grittiness about that type of life that you could pick up from hard work and discipline as we're talking about. But the book folds into this idea of what what is discipline without grace? Mm-hmm. It's It's empty. What is what is grittiness without God? It, it is emptiness, right? So like for men, it is, it is understanding that it's both. It's an emergence of both, learning how to be gritty, tough, do hard things, and yet live this life of God and grace. And that's where I find the most freedom in my own life as a guy and, and a girl too, I'm sure mm-hmm. like you could relate. Like, <laughs> but each chapter highlights a male saint who mm-hmm. lived that out, both this like real gritty masculine life say like saint ignatius of loyola right like he was hit by a cannonball and you're like (laughs) oh so you're not tough right like right like you can't look at his life and be like you don't have grit like i've never taken a gunshot wound right Mm -hmm. but then he has this emergence of his conversion where he learned how to integrate both this tough gritty disciplined life with grace and with god and it became this beautiful life that we're still talking about today so each chapter really kind of highlights 
those types of folks that we still talk about today who mm-hmm. we can model our life after of these great saints that, yeah. that we admire. That's awesome. And so needed. I mean, I, I, I think in the Catholic space, especially a book that you can hand your dad, your husband, your boyfriend, you know, a good guy friend, a father, right? Like those, those books are far and few between. I say that not as a commentary on Catholic publishing, but I think it's a real gift to have something tangible like that to say, look, here's your examples. I heard Jason Everett say in a talk one time, we have no American born canonized male saints. We've mm-hmm. got a lot of blesseds, mm-hmm. but we, we don't yet have an American citizen male saint. I was like, golly, we've got some work to do. So I think this book can help some help some guys do that. Yeah, no, we've got some work to do. And yet there I do believe that there is a, an unearthing in men's mm-hmm. heart to like come alive. And when we when we merge God and and then who God made us to be as mm-hmm. this as this guy, as this man, this this guy who wants to work and do hard things with this grace that God gives us, it like we flourish. Mm-hmm. Uh it's not easy, you know, we'll have it altogether, but I think we really take off, you know. There'll be a facilitator's guide too. Guys oh, can awesome. do a book study with it and, and groups. Yeah, I'm just excited to kind of like link arms with men around the country. Yeah. And maybe some saints will come out of it. I you think know, so. Like, I hope so. You know, here we here we go. Yeah. Paul, we're so grateful that you took the time. We're ending every episode this season asking our guests what your hope is for, for this Lent. So so what's your hope for this Lent? Oh man, what a great question. You know, my personal hope is that at the end of Lent, like I, I will be more in love with Jesus, you know, like whatever that looks like, mm-hmm. it, it is not a checklist, but I know it, it is more space in my heart. I know that. And my hope for the church is that, you know, we would be a, a church that is more in love with Jesus, mm-hmm. you know? And if that happens, I think we'll see a lot of, a lot of progress in our culture. There's no right answer, but that's the right answer. So, so I'm glad. I'm glad to hear it. Paul, where can we follow you? Where can we listen to your podcast and buy copies of your books? Yeah, holygrit.org is really easy. You can find me or find the book there. It'll go to my website, Paul George, but the book's there. And then the, the podcast is Paul George Show. Just search it. And then my books are with Ave Maria. So awesome. that's great. It works out perfect. We'll have the links down in the show notes and I think, I think some discount codes. Thanks for taking the time, Paul. Awesome, Katie. Thank you so much. It's always great to chat with Paul. I think he has some really profound insights. Again, he's got such a wide range of of kids. He's got such deep life experiences that he can call upon. His new book, Holy Grit, is wonderful. I gave my dad a copy and he took it with him on a silent retreat recently and he came back and he said, okay, I don't like to read Jesus-y books a whole lot. My dad's a very faithful guy, but you know, he says, I prefer to read fiction and, you know, go take a walk and talk to the Lord in my mind. But this was a great book. My dad loved it. He gave it a five-star rating. Holy Grit is available now from Ave Maria Press. We have a link down in the show notes. If you enjoyed what Paul just had to say about fasting, about leaning into the Lenten season, you will certainly enjoy his new book for men about how to grow in faith. And here's 10 examples of some holy saints that can help you do that. It's an excellent book. Again, my dad loved it. I'm sure you'll love it as well. You know, this idea of fasting, this idea of giving something up, it's not always easy. When I did a bunch of these interviews before Lent had begun, you know, I had this this wild plan of giving up any sort of coffee creamer. 
And I realized, you know, my penance shouldn't be a penance for other people. Drinking coffee is very much essential to get me going in the day, to get my mood boosted so that I can be a functional wife and mom and, and then, of course, do all the jobs I need to do. So perhaps, perhaps I should modify that fast. And so then I said, well, I'm going to I'm going to give up sweets in general, but continue to put cream in my coffee. And it hasn't been easy. It hasn't been easy. Here we are a handful of weeks into Lent. And I have to say that the leaning into the fast has produced a great amount of trust. That really has been the fruit of the leaning into the fast. Lord, I want that donut. I want that handful of M&Ms. I want that cup of ice cream after the kids go to bed. I want, you know, that Rice Krispie treat after dinner. I want these things that are objectively delicious, probably also objectively bad for me, but objectively taste really good, but I'm not gonna have it. I'm not gonna have it because I recognize that there's something deeper that could maybe occur in my heart and in my life when I don't have it. What do you maybe need to ask the Lord to show you that you need, that the Lord can give you only when you've made space to be able to hold it, only when you've invited him in to really sit with you and show you how you need him above all else? I think that's the question to ponder as we enter into our third week of Lent. Know that we're praying for you. Know that we're so excited that you're journeying with us through Lent return with Father John Burns. We really are glad that you're with us on this journey. If you'd want to share the show with folks, we'd be grateful if you'd give it a rating or review, shoot the link to a friend and say, hey, this is a good episode on on fasting. We'd be super grateful if you followed the show so that you never miss anything. And of course, you can follow Ave Maria Press over on the website, uh, AveMariaPress.com. You can follow all of our Ave Explorers ventures, all the podcasts that Ave Maria Press creates. We have some amazing content, Ave Spotlight every week, the Living the Word Bible podcast with Sarah Christmeyer. Excellent, excellent stuff. Find it all at AveMariaPress.com. We'll be back next week with a whole lot more. Stephanie Weinert will be stopping on by to share with us her story of suffering and leaning into God's word during Lent. So stay tuned for a whole lot more here on Ave Explorers Lent. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.